Thank you so much, you guys. Wow. Let's give thanks to God for our musicians this morning. How about that? Good job, you guys. Thank you so much. One of the things that's been kind of fun is getting people back on campus, whether we have some in, in here or some in the sanctuary, some outside, or the kids. We've had the kids back in camp, on campus, and the, the ones I miss the most are the 7th and 8th grade boys. And they are not uh, yet with us. We need to go one step further into the governor's protocol, and then we get all our 7th and 8th graders. And I don't know if you've ever listened to 7th and 8th grade boys talk, and you've been a part of that conversation, but they're hilarious. Now, part of it is that the, the physiologically, they're, they're not as grown up as the girls, right? The girls grow a little faster, and so the girls are more mature. Uh, the girls have conversations that are a little bit elevated, and boys have conversations that are just hilarious. I don't know if you remember when you were a 7th or 8th grade boy, uh, gentlemen, but there was just something to them. Simple times, right? Sim- simple pleasures, like eating lunch at school with your buddies, and one of the things I miss are, the com- are, are those conversations with those, with those young guys. And you kind of walk into them, and I kind of have a little bit of eighth grader inside of me still. And so I, I, I get it, right? I, I, I can jump right in on those, on those conversations. One of them that I like kind of goes this way. Hey, dude, would you trade me your Twinkie for... I don't know, a chocolate cupcake or whatnot, because I like Twinkies more than cupcakes. Matter of fact, I love Twinkies. At which pace, the, the little guy who's got the Twinkie looks at his buddies around the table and he says, well, if you love the Twinkies so much, why don't you marry it? And you're like, wow, only in the mind of a seventh grader is that funny, right? And, and then there's me. I go right back to Flagstaff. I go right back to East Flag Elementary and lunch with my buddies. And the same thing said over and over again. And then you hold that in your heart and you wait for the opportunity for someone to say, well, I love baseball. And you say, well, you love baseball so much. Why don't you just marry it? And that little thing kind of works. The guys laugh. They wait for the moment to spring that bit of humor and the insult on the next victim. It just kind of is a part of the way that maybe a middle school student begins to talk. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? The word of the Lord this morning that that was read uh, included these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. If you hold on to the world in such a, in such a tight way, then this week was really an intense week for you. This week was a week where you said, I'm going to try to make it through here, and I'm going to try to make it through there. And, and it seemed every day the world had more and more stuff going on that made it harder and harder to hang on to mental, emotional, and spiritual equilibrium just very, very, if it wasn't Monday starting with the fires and the orange clouds and stuff, maybe it was the COVID pandemic, or maybe it was the fear that seems to drive the world. The world struggled with death and violence and all sorts of dissonant behavior and voices and if your equilibrium is found by connecting to the world and the value system of the world, then it was a very difficult week for people connected to the world in that way. 
A little bit of me says, if you love the world so much, then why don't you marry it? The problem is that the world is focused not on what is good and what is excellent and what is praiseworthy. St. John's right, the world is focused on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So that makes the world a very fickle spouse. If you marry the world and marry yourself to the world, you find strength in the values of the world, but you marry something and someone that continues to change for the eyes of the... uh, for eyes flit from this to that, and the heart moves from this passion to that passion, and pride ebbs and flows with what it sees and, and, and what the person feels and perceives and sucks in from the world. And so pride inflates the human soul with a little bit of success, and, and then it deflates the human soul with the least perception of failure or pain. If you love the world so much, then marry it and see how that goes. Because it's up and down and it's in and out and it's hot and cold. And the power and the culture and the strength of the world ebbs and flows by the moment, by the tweet, by the social media post, by what's on TV, rather than being focused on and being rooted in and connected to and married to that which is eternal and that which gives meaning and hope and peace for the soul. In the Old Testament, the prophet Hosea was called to marry an unfaithful wife. Matter of fact, the Lord came to him and said, why don't you marry this unfaithful person? She's going to be unfaithful. You're going to have kids. Hosea, you marry Gomer and we'll see how it goes. And, And what the Lord did there was give a painful object lesson to his people because as Christians, our, our hearts are kind of put out there. And we say, you know what? The world looks good. And the Lord says, I've been faithful. And we say, yeah, but this makes me feel this way. And the Lord says, yeah, but I've been faithful. And the history of God's people is one of God saying, I love you and I'll be after you and I'm with you. And humanity saying, yeah, but let me just see if I can maybe steal a dance with the world. And then the Lord says, wait a minute, there's something bigger and better and more fulfilling for your soul in your life than being married to and tethered to the world. See, the world makes a poor spouse. When we turn over and over and over again to the economic, to the political, to the sociological, to other anthropocentric systems, we find ourselves feeling like we've been cheated on, lied to, and betrayed, and the world makes a poor spouse, a fickle spouse. And we find ourselves looking over and over again to the Lord and saying, Lord, love me, be with me, and guide me, because the world isn't providing the stability that I have First John chapter 3, verse 1, and then again verse 16, these words. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I wonder how that commentary went in heaven, what that conversation was. 
God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if they sit around the table. I don't know if they sit in thrones. But I do know that they communicate one, one to another. The Scripture's clear about that. And I wonder if the Father looked at the Son and He said, all those people down there who I created, all those people struggling, all those people kind of wondering what's coming next and how it's going to work. And Jesus, the Son, saying, you know what? We love them. And the father saying, if you love them so much, why don't you marry them? Why don't you connect yourself to them? No dowry, no engagement ring, no big party. But God has married himself to humanity in Jesus Christ. John writes, he, this is love that God laid down his life for us. He is faithful. He is steady. His love is sealed for you and me by his death on the cross. And that's a forever type love. A love that though we struggle and try to figure out our lives, God says, I am with you. A love so steady and so strong that it makes it through those micro and macro seasons of our lives. The macro season where we look out at the world and we say, what in the heck is going on? And the Lord says, I have lavished my love upon you, and I am with you. And there's nothing that's going to take you away from me. Not a pandemic, not economics, not politics. I am with you, and I am with the world in this macro season of life. But He's also with us in those micro seasons, in the moments we have with home and family, with our jobs with those we know and love. The Lord reaches down and says, it's a tough season for you in your home. It's tough at your job. It's tough right now with the things that you are going through, but I love you and I am with you and I'm not walking away from you here and now. He's got the whole macro piece in his hands and he's got the micro piece of your life in his hands as well. If you love them, then why not marry them? And so God sent Jesus Christ for you and me to be close to us. We would be his people and he would be our God. There's one more piece from that text that's powerful. This verse, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John is old at the point of writing this. He's not the young 16-year-old disciple. He's an old guy, probably older than me right now. He's seen all the disciples come and go. He's watched the iterations of Christianity, that first generation, that first century, go all the way from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, into Alexandria and Egypt, into Rome, into Corinth, into the whole Macedonian peace, on its way shortly into Europe. He's watched how cities and towns have been transformed. And he says, here's what has eternal value. Whoever does the will of God, that person lives forever. It's good to re be reminded in the moments that seem so intense, orange skies, politics, economics, it's good to be reminded that some things are eternal and that being connected to God in Jesus Christ 
connects us also to those things that are forever. What is God's will? People say, well, God's will is that this would happen and that would happen. From 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, this is the will of God. The will of God is that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so God's people turn to mission in the micro sense of homes and families. When we're quarantined together, we have an opportunity to live together maybe more closely than we think, maybe more closely than we're comfortable over the last six months. But we found a way to live together in homes and families, and we share that love and that grace of God with one another. We are able to have conversations of life, conversations of eternity, conversations of grace and closeness and intimacy in homes and families to the end that our families will be together in heaven forever. And we do this work also corporately as a congregation every day. Speaking, loving, giving, listening, caring, visiting, bearing, and on and on to the ends that others will be saved. That people will be connected not just for a moment and a season, but that people will be connected to God and His love forever and ever. And we pursue that will of God, not halfway or half-baked, but we pursue that will of God in our lives, person to person and bit to bit and church to world. And that work that we do in Jesus' name, that's what lasts forever. St. Also, John, also an old man here, sitting on the Greek island of Patmos, reflecting on the movement of Christianity throughout the world. I wonder if when he wrote this, he remembered that the Jerusalem Christians made an enormous impact in the first part, in the first early days of Christianity, by taking care of other people. Widows and orphans were useless. They were the dregs of society. They were dependent, unable to do what needed to be done to become economically viable, but not for Christians. Christians in Jerusalem showed love by feeding and caring for widows and orphans, not because they were viable or there was something in it for them, but because it was the right thing to do in the name of Jesus. Maybe John remembered that in Corinth, when the Jerusalem church needed resources, that the Corinthians stepped up and took an enormous offering and went to help their people who were in deep persecution. Maybe he was remembering and thinking about his colleague, St. Paul, and that when he needed the Christians in the little town of Philippi, that the Christians were there for him, to encourage him and to love him, not because it was a good investment, but because that's what Christians do. You see, every church in the book of Acts, every church that had been touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ made a difference in doing the will of God in its own context. And while we can't remember the political leaders and the mayors of those towns or the political big shots, we do remember the difference that each church made in the lives of others as they did God's will. This week, I was on a Zoom call with Pastor Trevor, and there was about 100 of us on that Zoom call. And we figured that all out. We're pretty nimble with all that stuff. We can, we're not dumb anymore where you say, how do you share that document? Or can you mute me, please? I mean, it just, we're kind of done. We've kind of got it all figured out. And it's kind of fun. You know, it had 100 people talking about vulnerable children in Orange County. 
and the funding for all of Crest kind of being up in the air, they said, St. John's, can you step up and can you step in? They said, we know the reputation of your church. We know that whatever you get your arms around, you guys do and do well. Would you be willing to help us with that? Pastor Trevor said, let me see. And a hundred people nodded yes and said, absolutely, positively. If we can help children and families in the foster care system in our own neighborhood, in our own community, then we will, we will pursue that. We will marry ourselves faithfully to that task and make a difference in the lives of those children. That scripture rings in my ear over and over again. And I hope it sits in your heart over this week. What great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. For that is what we are. Married not to the stuff that changes and shifts of the world, but married to our Lord through the gift of Jesus on the cross for you and me. And I pray you have a steady, steady, solid week being close to the Lord. Amen.